The sponsor for today's podcast is Coke Zero. Why are they still making Diet Coke? Are people still buying it? I guess they must be. Thank you for joining us at the Anecdotal Experience Podcast. Did you follow me on Twitter? I'm pretty sure you forgot. Go do it now while it's fresh on your mind. Hey, thanks for coming back to the Anecdotal Experience Podcast. Today we have Zach Hollinger on the podcast to talk about DCS, Department of Child Services. It's where he worked for a really long time. Worked with kids, having to remove kids from homes, making those calls, deciding whether parents are terrible or not. It's his calling. It's what he does. I didn't know about it. I couldn't do it. It takes a lot of patience. Uh, it takes a lot of... I don't know. You got to get used to some pretty, pretty insane stuff. I don't think it would ever get boring. Why am I talking about it? You're about to listen to it. I really like this episode. Super enlightening. You're going to love it. Thanks for iTunes reviews. My dad left an iTunes review. Thanks, dad. Very thoughtful. Felt good. Read it. It's the last one on there. Uh, John. Pinball John. That's him. T-shirts, iTunes reviews. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. Yeah, just start wherever, man. Okay. Um, so I worked as a assessment worker for the Department of Child Services, um, which basically means, you know, anytime we received a report about abuse or neglect of anyone that was under the age of 18, um, that gets assigned to someone here in the county and then one of us gets to go out to the house and see if it's a legitimate claim or you know if it's some family member or ex-spouse or ex-relationship that's just ticked off at someone um and so we're the ones that kind of go out to the house and just kind of see what the situation is okay cool um yeah so i did that for about three and a half years um and you know it does kind of it helps you see a different side of life than a lot of people get to experience yeah they see they see it portrayed in um in media or those kinds of things like i think during training we actually watched a uh episode of the simpsons where um they portray a cps worker and kind of what what that looks like um, what is it? What are they? I mean, what's the idea? Uh, the idea behind it is just that like the, the CPS workers like come in like literally guns blazing, like kicking down the doors and just like taking, taking the kids from the family and right. putting them somewhere else without actually looking into the situation at all. So like, what is it then? How is it different um, than that <clears throat> on any sort of level? Sure. Re- I mean, really, honestly, what it is, is it's you know, whenever someone has a concern, it's just someone that gets sent out to the house to look into it. Yeah. Um, really what, what that looked like in, you know, practical terms day to day was just knocking on doors, you know, say, you know, these people said this, these things about yeah. either you or your children or, or the situation and then just talking it out, hashing it out. If, you know, if it was something where, yeah, there's allegations of injuries or, yeah. you know, needs not being provided for, it's just going into the house and, you know, seeing if they have food, seeing if they have power, right? Um, you know, seeing if kids have injuries and then what kind of calls were like pretty typical, um, pretty typical ones are, I mean, really there's, we get all of them. They fall under, um, a few different, 
uh, categories. Um, you know, one would be general neglect, which would be, you know, you don't have food, you don't have clothing, right. Um, the basic needs aren't being provided for whether medically or physically, those kinds of things. That'd probably um, be like a teacher or a, like authority figure that wasn't a parent calling that in. Right. Uh, it just depends. You know, yeah. a lot of times, you know, teachers do have a lot of, you know, contact with kids. And so they get to see some of the, <clears throat> the, uh, outplaying of that day to day with, with the kids that they work with. Um, but honestly, um, you know, it comes from anywhere, you know, anyone that would, anywhere that would have, or any person that would have contact with a kid, you know, can make right reports of that nature. So, um, but then there's also, uh, physical abuse, which is obviously, I mean, <clears throat> anytime a child sustains injuries due to a, a caregiver's actions, right. um, that's how, um, the department, identifies that um were those pretty often when you got like cases of abuse being called in um they're pretty we probably get more reputes reports of uh um, neglect just by volume um but there's a pretty a pretty good ratio all the way across the board with neglect physical abuse sexual abuse um all of those and And how often were these how often were these false accusations or false alarms or were they pretty often or was it usually something was up when you would get a call? No, uh, primarily, you know, there's a, a higher volume of reports that were either just false or, you know, allegations that just weren't serious enough for us to do anything about. Okay. So I would say, you know, without having, you know, the actual statistics in front of me, I would say maybe one to three out of 10 reports would actually be something Okay. That we would do something about. <clears throat> okay. Did you like, did you, I don't know, that part of the job, having to go out and see what's up mm-hmm. when you get a call, is that, did you like that part of the job? Because I feel like that would be exciting, but also probably pretty emotionally exhausting if you mm-hmm. run into a case where someone is either neglecting a kid or even worse, abusing mm-hmm. a kid in a way. What Like that part of the job, how is... How did you kind of experience that? Was it good, bad, or? Yeah, for me, honestly, it's, I enjoy working with people. That's what, that's why I've gone into this, yeah, you know, totally. this profession. Um, you know, obviously it's not, it's interesting. I like how you said that. It's interesting. Um, it's definitely something that um, I wouldn't say enjoyable um, because obviously it's not fun to see people in those situations. Right. But it's interesting and it's um I guess, I mean, it's okay to use the word enjoyable. It's enjoyable to be able to help people. Yeah, fulfilling. Yes, fulfilling. That's a good word. Okay. Yeah. Um, And so I did enjoy that aspect. I mean, you see, excuse me, you see um, all kinds of things. So it's definitely not a boring job. Right. Um, You get to see all kinds of families, cultures, um, you know, backgrounds, scenarios, home conditions, you know, you get to see a lot of things. Right. Um, a lot of stuff that I didn't grow up with. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't get to experience a lot of those things without, you know, being in a situation or working a job like that. Right. Where you um, have the job to go in mm-hmm. and see that, you know, that's weird, surprising thing <clears throat> that you weren't used to growing up. Precisely. What was the most, like, what was the most... Or what are some things that you saw and you were really eye-opening to a different life experience that you'd never 
had before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there's de- definitely a lot of those those situations. Um, one of them would be, you know, just the the home conditions that some people have become accustomed to living in. Yeah. Um, and I think that's through, you know, our culture is a powerful force in our life. And I think that cultural poverty is definitely something that's hard to overcome and the, the consequences of that. And I mean, when you, when you grow up in a home where, um, you know, you've just become accustomed to not cleaning things up, you know, things just always being broken, you know, being, whether that's even, you know, having pests and not really dealing with those pests or not having the financial ability to, to, to deal with those. Right. I mean, eventually by exposure, you become accustomed to those things. Yeah. There's bugs in the house. Yeah. Um, That's our house. mm -hmm. And that's for some people, that's just, that's their life. Like that's just part of it. It's not like a, or it's not like a weird or, you know, gross thing. It's just part of the, um, you've, that's normal yeah. to them. Um, and that was probably one of the most, um, can you think back? I know you're <clears throat> thinking of a particular experience mm-hmm. where you saw living conditions that you thought were just like appalling. Mm-hmm. Um, and like what sort of stuff was happening there and we're, and also how were the people that were living amongst these conditions, what what was their attitude like? Because it had to have been like, well, this is my house and this is the way it's always been. Sure. So. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, um, a lot of times when you would approach a house, you okay. know, after, after you approach a certain number of them, you begin to kind of get a gauge for things a lot of times, even before entering, you know, you get to see what the yard looks like. Like, get, okay. So uh, what's a house look like when you're like, oh boy. There's, this is not going to be good on the inside of this house. Uh, typically, <clears throat> you know, some clues are when uh, things are, um, you just see things strewn about the yard. Obviously, people don't take care of things or you know, there's just broken things all around. Things yeah. that have been left go for what looks like months or years without right. getting fixed. Um, and then a lot of times when you approach, you know, walking up to the door, there's, if it's, if it's a bad situation, you know, typically you can you can smell the home before really? you even get What's into the home. What does that smell like? Oh, cat uh, pee. If you think of, you know, dirt, cat pee, mold, animal, um, but then what that might smell like after months or... Stale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it everything makes that gross. With, you know, cigarette smoke, everything, uh, yeah. all mixed together and then not ever cleaned, you know, and just sitting in that for months and years did you ever was there any ever like a house that was you couldn't even go in uh no i mean you you kind of uh, some people i mean some people are more sensitive than others you know usually i can power through and and make it in there even if it's not comfortable obviously but uh, there's been situations where yeah definitely you want to get in and and get out as fast as you can just because of how uncomfortable it is Um, but I mean, that kind of goes into what I said before is, I mean, when you live in that situation and you're exposed to it for so long, it just becomes normal. It doesn't Home. bother you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you go in, so you, there's like a super stinky house. Yep. You so, go inside. What, like what's happening in this house? So to, to describe a, a certain situation, like you said, um, you know, in this specific one, you walk up to the home, you can smell the situation already. Yeah. Um, and you kind of figure that there's probably going to be something a little bit more. Um, <clears throat> and in this situation, um, knocking on the door and being able to see 
you know, the weather stripping all the way around the door that has been just eaten completely away by cockroaches and there's just crushed cockroaches like all the way around the door frame oh no not at all um just like gross dead cockroaches that have been just like crushed in the doorway and that are just still there um and so that's usually a a bad sign uh crushed cockroaches all around the door frame yeah when that's at the the beginning of the the visit okay it's not a good and this is a particular incident yeah all right um and so, you know, then obviously knocking on the door and, um, you know, people handle, handle that different ways. I'm actually, I'm surprised at how well people handle having a, a DCS worker show up at their door, um, huh. for the most part. I mean, there's obviously, there's situations where people are, you know, upset and don't want to, um, cooperate with that. And, uh, I, I understand that too, but a lot of times people want to, figure out what the problem is or, or to solve what's going on. So figure out why <clears throat> you were called. Yeah. I, I very rarely did. I, was I ever just not allowed to talk with someone or they wouldn't allow me into the home. So, okay. but in this situation, you know, they let me into the home and, um, you know, obviously take what was observed outside of the home and then multiply that by a thousand when you right. get into the home, just sensory overload. Yeah. You know, and trying to, um, take in all the home conditions and, and what's going on. And this one, there was, I mean, just cockroaches all over the ceiling Are and the walls. Are you kidding me? Um, yeah. That's so oh, I'm not kidding, disgusting. you know. Disgusting. Yeah. It was just infested. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a good word. Um, I mean, even then too, like, you know, opening cabinets where food is and those kinds of things. Ugh. I mean, it's just scattering everywhere. I mean. So there's live cockroaches too. Yeah. Live dead where they had closed the cabinets and, you know, oh some of them get gosh. crushed in there. I'm going to puke, dude. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to take in. Um, what are these people like? They're they're just people, you know. They're they're honestly they're just people doing life the best that they know how and the best that they can. Um, that's another thing that like you know hearing things about situations is another snap judgment like that people make a lot of times, and you just can't make those, especially in this line of work. Um, is that, you know, these must be like terrible people. They must be like, just, just, I would make the assumption that they're, um, what's the word? Just kind of, um, like simpletons in a way, kind of, uh, I guess rednecks, uh, farm people. I don't know. Just kind of gross, gross people in my head. Mm -hmm. I know it's not right, but in my head kind of. Because I worked at the, you know, I worked at a public park for a long time mm-hmm. and the type of people that could get used to living in that sort of squalor, um, like I might have a difficult time connecting with because they're from an entirely different world. But mm-hmm. did you feel like when you met these people, were you like, no, these are people like me? Yeah, I mean, some of them, like I described earlier, are, you know, they're from a culture of that where they've grown up in that and so that's normal. Yeah. Um, but they're still, you know, they're still just people, you know, they've they're not, you know, just terrible people because they're in that situation. They're just people that are living how they've been raised to live. Um, and then there's, you know, there's other people that, you know, they've had situations in life that have overwhelmed them to the point to where they can't, like, that's not their biggest issue. Like the cockroaches aren't their biggest issue. Yeah. And so they've got to focus on these other things. And so that takes away from their ability or their, their time to be able to deal with that issue. Um, whether that's, you know, depression or, um, you know, family situations that have taken place, divorce, um, you know, that's what, 
I've seen a lot of situations like that too, where it's just, it gets to the point where you can only deal with so much as a, as a human being, there's only so much you can deal with. And cockroaches don't matter. And at at times, you know, cockroaches for some people, that's not the biggest issue that has to be dealt with. Um, you know, they always, they also, especially in, you know, in single parent homes, they have to worry about making sure their kids survive, which means they have to provide food. They have to provide some sort of shelter, even if it's not the ideal shelter. Right. You know, they have to make sure that their kids have what they need to survive. Um, would you, would like for, in that case, would you remove a child that was living under those conditions <clears throat> um a lot of that depends on like if um, they're good parents trying to do the best they can but they yeah. just live in a dump like yeah a, okay there's a lot of things that a lot of factors that go into that uh, one is the age of the children you know obviously if if there's infants in the house they can't you know protect themselves or keep themselves out of the like if there's a lot of filth in the home or yeah. if there's bugs or, or those kinds of things they can't protect themselves from that as much yeah so it depends on the age of the kids okay um if they're older kids while it's not ideal obviously um you know they're not gonna die because there's a few cockroaches in the house um and so again like i said while it's not the ideal living situation it's survivable and it's up to you to make the judgment call it's up to us um to take in the information and then um the decision is made you know at the local county Mm -hmm. level as it's a team like we make a decision as a team with our supervisors and directors and those kinds of things yeah um so we we gather the information um and we consider that with those we call them protective factors you know factors that um you know, that we use to show if the, the family is able to be safe in that situation. You know, a protective factor is older youth. You know, kids that are older are yeah. able to protect themselves more <clears throat> in that kind of a situation. So we don't just walk in and snap judgment. In, like, this place is it, gross. Kids in, are coming with me. Exactly. Yeah. You do know. you ever do that where you have to just take a kid immediately in well, some sort of situation? Yeah, there's a lot of, well, not a lot. I guess there's some situations that, you know, require that. You know, anytime there's uh, meth production taking place in the home, um, a lot of times, you know, if there's not an appropriate family member for those kids to go to, then, you know, that would be a situation as well. Um, because a lot of times in that scenario, the, the parents are being arrested, um, so they can't care for the kids and the kids can't stay in that home because of the harmful chemicals that are involved in, um, the production of methamphetamine. Um, and so did you ever get, did you, I mean, I know you did, mm -hmm. but you get calls from someone and they say there's meth production and you go out Mm -hmm. and you, you go to the home. Yep. We go you, in those kinds of situations. We a lot of times go along with law enforcement. Okay. So the police are there with us in case there would be a situation where that was going on. So, what's that experience? What's that experience like? Because I feel like it would be so intense. Because you're you've gotten. <clears throat> I mean, it's pretty much just a tip. Not only that there are children that are in danger, but also there's a tip that someone's making is like cooking illegal drugs, and this yeah. is a you know this is a drug bust and also a. A removal. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that would be a very, I think it would be like a super dangerous thing to go on. Definitely. Yeah. And that's on, that's why law enforcement go with us on those. Uh, most of the, the calls that we would get about, you know, the production of methamphetamine or those kinds of things, uh, law enforcement's already at the house. Um, and so they're okay. already there and they kind of deal with the situation prior to us arriving for the most part. Um, are they like so? They're a, if if they show up and there's you know 
evidence of them cooking up some meth. Yeah. They, are they arrested immediately? Typically, yeah. You okay. know, it's it's kind of hard to, to get out of that situation. Um, you know, obviously the the police still have to do their part of the job and, and prove that that's theirs and that, right. you know, that was going on. But, you know, it's typically, it's pretty easy to see if that's there, but it's right. obviously yeah. there. And regardless of who's doing it, if it's happening in a house where the kids are at, you know, a lot of times they are um, removed uh, from whoever was, if it was a caregiver that was doing that, they would a lot of times be removed from them. Yeah. So, because they're typically going to jail and you can't take care of your kids while you're in jail. Right. So kids <laughs> can't live alone in a house filled with like beakers and precisely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that can't happen. Dang dude. What's that? Um, what are these kids like? Are they normal kids? Are they aware of what their parents are doing? Uh, sometimes, you know, it depends on the, again, it depends on the age of the kids and how much they're able to actually understand. You know, there's been situations where, you know, there's 15, 16, 17 year olds that are in that situation and, you know, they obviously probably understand something's happening. Yeah. Um, whether they trust their parents, you know, and what they say is happening or not. Um, but then there's, you know, there's little kids as well that just would have no idea, yeah. you know, what, what's going on around them. So that's especially dangerous because, you know, they, a lot of times, you know, meth is made in, you know, pop bottles or Gatorade bottles or those kinds of things. And so if a kid doesn't understand what's going on, they can sometimes come in contact with those, those chemicals that are being used to, you know, produce that accidentally. So, um, whenever that's taking place in the home, it's just, it's remarkably dangerous. Yeah. You don't need to convince me that a kid should (laughs) live in a meth lab yeah yeah nope. dang what uh so what kind of what did you learn about parenting was there anything that you saw that surprised you did you ever feel i guess one thing i would i would think is were there ever times where you felt like a child was in unsafe conditions but the parents loved the child mm-hmm. um, yeah what's that kind of like to see that was there anything sort of like conflicting when you would go in a place um, kind of you had empathy for the parent, mm-hmm. but you also knew the best thing for the kid was to leave this house? Yeah. Well, and to answer answer one of your questions that you had asked earlier as well, that kind of goes along with that. You know, when we walk into a home, a lot of times as long as it's not an immediate safety concern, there's the opportunity to rectify the situation. So, you know, like we'll go in, we see like these, these home conditions are unacceptable. Okay. Like you're, you're putting your child at risk or you have put your child at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these are the steps that need to be taken in order to prevent them from, you know, not being able to be here. Right. Cause we're coming back and we're taking them. Yeah. It's, yeah, and so yeah. that conversation happens um, a lot of the time where there's that opportunity to change the situation. Um, because I would say in almost every situation, you know, parents love their kids. They're, yeah. they're their kids. They love them. Um, that was most of the time. You really oh, yeah. felt like they, they love the kid. It's just bad yeah, times. Definitely. Okay. Either either they don't know, either they don't realize how their <clears throat> decisions are going to be affecting their child or they don't know how to stop what they're doing that's putting their child at risk. Um, and so one of those situations where I got to see that that dissonance between, you know, I love my child. Right. And then also being able to do what's best for, you know, their child. Yeah. Um, is with addiction, you know, with drug addiction. Yeah. Um, those kinds of things. Um, 
because they're struggling with that. They see that their, their child needs them present. Yeah. They need a, a parent there. Um, and they love their child, but then they're also struggling with this addiction, um, and the priority that that takes in their life. Um, <clears throat> and sadly, a lot of times, you know, the addiction you know, can win out at, you know, at times right. you know, they can't either put that behind them or aren't willing to seek help for those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so where a lot of people would say, you know, that person doesn't love their child or that they don't care about them. Yeah. That's just not the case. You know, they love them. They just can't, they can't get their priorities straight because this addiction has such a hold on their life. Um, so they're so, yeah, that's got it. So you can feel it. Cause I feel like you're dealing with a lot of the emotions of the mm-hmm. parents. You're like at the forefront. So wow, we look on paper and we say, oh, this is a meth addicted parent. Get that mm-hmm. kid out of there. You're like, no, it's just a person that does meth that loves their children. Um, but the best thing for them is to, you know, remove the kids for the time being and have them not yeah. be around that. Yeah, and that's what, in, um, you know, a lot of times people also view uh, the Department of Child Services as they just take kids out and throw them in another home and that's it, that's right. the end of it. But that's not even a quarter of the story. You know, whenever if, if a child is ever, you know, deemed and court-ordered out of a home, you know, our first and primary goal, if it's an option, is to make the home appropriate and make the parents and help the parents get to a place to where they're safe again yeah. to have the kids go home to them. Because yeah. we recognize, you know, kids, they need their parents, regardless of how regardless of how harmful a situation is to a child, they're still always going to love their parent and they're always still going to need that that parent. And so we have to like weigh and figure out this, you know, is it, is it safe enough for them to be there and have that relationship? Right. Or is it more harmful to them to be in that situation? But understanding usually the best thing for a kid is to have their parent. Oh, almost always. As long as it's not, um, you know, an immediate safety concern. Um, that bond between a parent and a child is one of the strongest bonds in any kid's life. Um, well, what about, okay, then what about in the event of abuse rather than drug addiction or something in the event of abuse, <clears throat> kind of same, same kind of question. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see a kid that was being, um, let's just start with abused physically mm-hmm. and you still <clears throat> felt like there was love. There was, I mean, there has to be love for the kid, mm-hmm. but the kid was just getting the shit beat out of him on a daily basis. Did you ever see that where you thought, wow, this guy or woman or whatever loves their children, but Mm -hmm. they just can't control their rage. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times, a lot of times the physical abuse comes in situations when a parent is trying to teach their child is trying to discipline them. Um, but it's just not appropriate discipline. Yeah. Um, and that's where, you know, I can't count how many times, you know, I heard people in, in everyday life hear people say, well, back in my day, you know, this is how he did this, right. this, or that. Um, and my dad beat the shit out of me. So, precisely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and while that's, you know, probably the case, there's, you know, times have changed. Right. Um, and right now, <clears throat> you know, the, the state has decided that, you know, what quantifies as physical abuse is when a child sustains, you know, a serious or sustained injury 
due to a, a caregiver's actions. Okay. Um, like a, leaves a mark. Yeah. Like leaves mm. and typically, you know, not maybe just like a, like a red mark or something like that, but like, especially if there's bruising, right. cuts, welts, um, broken bones, definitely like those yeah. kinds of, you know, serious injuries. Um, <clears throat> where, um, but a lot of times to answer your question, a lot of times, those come from scenarios where a parent is trying to correct behavior. Yeah. Um, and that's the tools that they've been taught by their parents for correcting behavior. Right. Is, you know, simply you just physical discipline, which, you know, I believe there's a time and place for that. I'm not saying there's not. Yeah. Um, but there is an appropriate level to where that's helpful or to where it's not helpful anymore. Where did you see, I mean, I think, where did you really, where would you personally kind of draw that line because to some degree it is you know you're you're the first line of defense you come in and Mm -hmm. what because i think it i mean obviously it's it's a you know there's a point where you're disciplining your kid and you're saying i'm doing this Mm -hmm. i'm i'm hitting you but i'm hitting you for the reason being i'm trying to correct this behavior and then there's I'm hitting you because what you did has filled me with rage Mm -hmm. and I'm just taking it out on you. Yeah. So where did you draw the line where you're like, okay, you can do this, you can do that. Or were there any situations where you thought, uh, all right, the, the dad is not justified in doing this, but I can tell he was really just legitimately trying to correct the behavior, but he just went too far. Yeah, are you asking where would I draw that line personally? or Where, where would you would draw this... the line personally? And were there any times where you encountered a situation where you thought, you really thought the dad was trying to do the right thing and mm-hmm. maybe he was, but he was just too hard on the kid? Yeah, um, actually, I mean, ran, ran into that scenario quite a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, for me personally, on a personal level, yeah. um, I don't think that physical, I about said, never mind. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that physical discipline is wrong. Um, okay. And you know, you can tell a lot about uh, a relationship by looking at their relationship. You know, obviously, you know, every person is different. Yeah. Um, and there's some kids I believe that physical discipline works with, um, in that some kids in some situations where it's not accomplishing what the parent thinks it's accomplishing. Um, and you have to kind of look at the relationship between the parent and the child to see that. You know, if there's physical discipline with no relationship, then that's precisely how the child's going to view that. I mean, you don't spend time with me. You don't, you know, you don't care about me. You don't do this, this or that. Yeah. But then I do something wrong and I get hit for it. So it's almost impossible for them to view that as you trying to love them because you don't do other things that invest in them. Um, Or at least makes it more difficult. How does it affect the kid usually when they're just kind of view their parents as... um, just things that abuse you when you've done something wrong and don't understand that they're doing it because they're trying to make you a better person. Mm-hmm. Um, what Like a kid taking that the wrong way. <clears throat> yeah. What does that look like? Um, it's kind of hard to make a blatant statement about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I say this, understand that it's not this in every situation. Right. Um, just something you've seen. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, and a lot of times that can come out as, you know, disrespect for the parent or anger, resentment, yeah. because, you know, there's not that need for love not that lead that need for relationship taking place. But then there's only this physical, um, harmful physical outplaying of that. Yeah. And so a lot of times, you know, kids are smart, like they figure things out. Um, and they can see when parents aren't being consistent. They can see when, you know, parents aren't living up to their own 
standards that they set. Right. Um, and so sometimes that, that does cause a lot of resentment and anger, mm-hmm. which then causes this cycle of, you know, you've disciplined me. I don't feel like I can trust you and I don't respect you. So then it makes them disrespectful or it, it makes it harder for them to be respectful to their parent. So then they get disciplined more. So then really they, they get, so you think they really understand that they really understand that their parents are being bad parents. Uh, I would say in some situations, yes. In some, In some, right. you know, they just, they don't know any better, but some kids, I believe they can understand that and, or they can see how their, their friends are treated or how situations are, you yeah. know, with other people. And so they start to line things up like, you know, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Why yeah. is this happening? So. <clears throat> okay. What's, what's like, um, What's like a lesson you learned? What was something you saw in parenting where you thought, okay, here's somewhere where maybe someone's gone wrong or maybe something where someone's done something right mm-hmm. um, or something good that a parent did and you thought, okay, this is a positive thing or maybe, or even something where you saw someone do something wrong and mm-hmm. you saw like, well, okay, I could possibly make that mistake in parenting. I could sure. possibly do that. I could see that happening to me. And you thought, you know, any sort of lesson you learned where you thought, I'm never going to do that or I'm going to do that. Yeah. Um, I say one of the, one of the things that I learned was, you know, having a little bit more understanding for parents because being a parent is remarkably stressful. Yeah. And so like a lot of times people see, they read in the news, so-and-so did this and they got in trouble for it because they you know, they caused an injury or something like that. Yeah. Um, and while I would not say that it's ever okay to cause harm to your child, you know, it's not ever okay for that to happen. Yeah. Um, I understand that there's a lot of stress that parents are under. Yeah. And a lot of times kids can be, you know, a part of that stress. Yeah. And so kids are the worst, man. They, you know, they can be a challenge. Yeah. That is Even for nice sure. kids are yeah. Obnoxious. That's true. I mean, we all have our times, yeah. um, you know, and kids are the same way. They have their times where they're just, they're trying to figure things out and they make things stressful on, on their parents as well. Um, so again, yeah, like I said, I'm, while it doesn't make it okay, um, you know, I can see the struggle that parents have to go through. Right. Separating their frustration and also having to like somehow teach their kid that this is wrong right and making sure that they separate that from their frustration and their stress yeah um that's that's a hard um boundary to to navigate um yeah because you're the thing that's stressing you out mm-hmm. you're also responsible for disciplining it making it better mm-hmm. so this yeah it'd be hard to not be like okay you're you are the bane of my existence right now. Mm-hmm. And my job is to discipline you, mm-hmm. um, which is a weird position to be in. It is. I'm, I'm angry at you. I'm angry at my child. Mm-hmm. And I also have the responsibility to discipline them. So in your position where you could really let that get out of control. Yeah. Yeah. And so and a parent has to like, they have to be able to have that conversation in their head that that I'm not, you know, I'm not angry like at my, ch- like, at my child, obviously these behaviors are coming from them. So that's where the frustration is coming from. Right. Like, exactly. I'm angry at the behavior. I'm angry at what's happening. Yeah. And so not making that a personal thing is, is a hard, is a hard thing to do. Um, and that's on that line is kind of what you asked earlier, <clears throat> um, has been an important thing that I've learned and 
you know, some positive things that I have been able to see in some parents is the ability to separate that yeah. and to come up with creative ways, you know, to deal with that. Right. Um, <clears throat> being able to take time away, like if they're just mad and they are then also responsible for disciplining their child to take time away before that. So that, that frustration isn't what the kid's seeing when they're being disciplined. Yeah. So they can see that, no, it's not my anger that I'm doing this because of it's because of your decisions that you made is what is causing this, you know, this discipline to take place. Um, also parents that are able to be creative with the way that they deal with those frustrations. Cause there's some kids that, you know, that they get disciplined physically and they're like, I don't care. You know, you can spank me as much as you can physically spank work. me and I will keep doing what I want to do. Sociopath like, kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There's kids that are some, some very determined it. people out there. Wow. Um, but then, so you have to be creative. I mean, obviously you can't, you can't continue to do the same thing and expect different results. Right. Um, that's You're like, I, think, I am my kid's ass is just beaten off. Yeah. You can't do that. I mean, that's, th- yeah. those are the situations where we do see sometimes some of the more severe physical abuse cases is when they just keep doing the same thing over and over again. The kid keeps doing the same behaviors over, over again. So the parent keeps trying to escalate it until it, you know, maybe if I do it harder, maybe if I do it longer, more, right. they'll eventually get it that they can't do this. Right. Um, and while I recognize that kids need to be disciplined, yeah. you know, a lot of times that's just not the case, you know, so that needs to be, you need to find those things that are really gonna, what sort of alternative would that look <clears throat> like to say, you know what I mean? Yeah. To say like, well, I'm not going to discipline them. What can I do to correct the behavior? Like, how could you even you know what I mean? Well, you're going to discipline them. You're not going to physically discipline them. Oh, got them it. Yet. Okay. You just, yeah. Yeah. And so like, honestly, anymore, what that looks like a lot of times is, you know, taking kids' phones away or, really, you know, not, you know, you're not allowed to play Xbox or PlayStation, whatever your console You would have never is. had that leverage when I was a kid. You yeah. know what I mean? You would have been like, what are we going to do? I don't know. Like doesn't have anything yeah or back when we were kids you can't go ride your bike or can't go like hang that out would with your suck or... you know i did have that mm-hmm. yeah and it did suck i think i would rather have been spanked yeah exactly and yeah. honestly a lot of times it's more especially anymore it's more effective if um especially for older kids mm-hmm. um you know if that's the case you know you can't have your xbox you know for however long you deem um that they don't need to have it for the phone or Facebook, or even though I don't think that kids should be on Facebook anyways, but um, that's a whole nother issue for another day. But the kid Um, really wants whatever's on that phone, whatever's going on there. And when you get the, you take it away They're Yeah. They're like, I want it back. And it's, let's figure out how to exactly a shithead and get my phone back. And in those situations, if that's an option, like if that's a, a way that parents, you know, can deal with it, that's not physically harmful to the kids at all. Yeah. Um, and so you don't run that risk of accidentally, you know, pushing things too far or on purpose pushing things too far, you know, because yeah. it's just not, it's not involved at all in that. Yeah, so, exactly. You're not touching a kid. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so those are, are probably some of the more um, effective and safe ways with safe ways that, you know, I've seen people and seen parents deal with those kinds of situations. Um, but really the key, honestly, the key is consistency. You know, the fact that, you know, a kid is aware of if I do this behavior, this is going to be the result. Okay. Every time. And there's no reason to think that maybe I can get away with it this time or, or that, or, 
or, you know, and while, you know, sometimes consistency doesn't mean that kids are always going to behave. Yeah. But then at least you've given them every opportunity to see that every time you do this, right. this is what's going to happen. They know and what's so up. They do. They know what's coming. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. I do. One, two things I kind of wanted to touch on. Um, well, I actually three in the, was there any sort of, and you can be <clears throat> as vague as possible, but I do think this is interesting. Was there mm-hmm. any sort of case of sexual abuse where you thought, whoa, this is weird. This is very weird. This is something I never thought could possibly happen. But this really makes me, this, like, understanding sexual abuse Mm -hmm. in a way or seeing it from an angle that you'd never really seen it before. I mean, I'm sure that could be, like, like very, very disturbing and very Mm -hmm. eye-opening to a degree. Was there any sort of case (coughs) where... Where you saw that and you were like, look, this was, you know, and you'd be as like vague as you want to be. But yeah, definitely. Um, where you thought this is crazy. This is insane. Yeah. I think honestly, and any form of, of sexual abuse is, is always all of those things. It's right. opening. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's just hard to take in. It's, it's all of those things. Um, honestly, sexual abuse, a lot of times is it's hard. It's hard to deal with those for a lot of reasons. Yeah. You know, obviously you have, um, you know, I believe that the trauma that kids sustain from sexual abuse, it, yeah. it I mean, with physical abuse, there's physical consequences, you know, right. you have bruises, you have, you know, marks, you have those kinds of things and you have a relational issue because of those things sometimes. But, yeah. um, you know, sexual abuse, the trauma that's involved in that affects just almost every aspect of, of life. Yeah. Um, especially when it's a, a kid and they're still learning how, <clears throat> they're still learning how, um, life works. Yeah. And then that's part of their learning process for how, how life works. Um, mm-hmm. the trauma that is involved in that is just astronomical. Yeah. You know, whether that's a, a parent, whether that's a sibling, whether that's a, you know, a stranger, no matter where it comes from. Right. It just, it's remarkably traumatic. Yeah. Um, anytime something like that happens. Um, it's gotta be just confusing for the kid. Yeah. Most um, of all. And a lot of times, you know, where, where I see, you know, just some of the <clears throat> life changing and life altering scenarios is, you know, when they, when it is a family member and, yeah. you know, that then becomes a picture of how that child views love, like yeah. that they see that this is, you know, whether it's a, a parent or a uncle or whatever, or aunt, you know, whatever it is. You know, they see that, you know, this person's supposed to love me and now this is what they've done to me. So this must be what love means. Right. Um, and so that that kind of jades their view of love sometimes for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's what, probably one of the more difficult uh, abuses to deal with just because of how how traumatic. Right. You know, it's probably really difficult to kind of correct that it's such like a formative age to Mm -hmm. correct that sort of perception of what sex means Mm -hmm. and what love means um you know familial Mm -hmm. love definitely and what there's no place for sex yeah 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 no it's hard to to um correct that because like we said earlier it becomes a part of their you know it can become a part of their culture you know how they grew up with this is how the world works and so Mm -hmm. there's not really another way that it should happen so 
Did you ever run into a case where you just... It was almost... Like, it didn't seem... Like, like you said, culture. Mm-hmm. Where you went to a family and where incest or whatever you want to... Like, molestation, it really felt like, oh, this is this family's culture. And to a degree, it almost felt like they kind of had... They obviously don't, but they kind of had their own sovereignty in their house where it's like, oh, this is their world. Mm-hmm. Incest is the way <clears throat> this family operates. And it almost seems less sinister than child molestation in a different context because it's so inundated in their own heads. Yeah. And Did I, that ever happen? Uh, I think that that does happen. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I experienced that to that level myself. Okay. Um, you know, what I did see was where it has happened on a generational level. Right. You know, my uncle did it to like their uncle did it to them. Then they did it to their, their next relationship to the next relationship to the next. Do they feel like that justified their behavior? There's typically always shame involved in that. And it's usually, it's typically, you know, kept under, they you know, know it's wrong under wrath yeah. because you they, they know that it's wrong yeah um but it's kind of a accepted wrong if that makes sense um yeah it's like who they are but they yeah. know it's not right it's like it's, just, it's happened to my it's happened to the uncle before that or the uncle before that and so it's just kind of something that's happened yeah um <clears throat> and so i've seen that aspect of it but i do believe that you know a lot of times it can be part of a culture um yeah. based on the situation especially if it's never been dealt with and never been there's not ever been any correction to that mindset then yeah a lot of times it can be a it could be a part of a culture but i've not dealt with that specifically myself right so has um working in dcs how does it okay how does it make you appreciate your own life and your own parents and your own experience growing <clears> up <throat> I feel like it would have, even when I've talked to you about it, it's made me really be super grateful Mm because I knew I had really good parents and stuff, but Mm -hmm. I didn't know how bad it could possibly be. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a great way to describe it. I mean, when you're growing up, you always have things that you don't like. And so the way that we perceive the world is how we judge everything around us. And so you're like, man, I feel bad right now. So this must be the worst that it can get. My parents are the worst right now. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, yeah. Um, But then exactly like you said, you know, you, when you're exposed to situations like this, you're just like, wow, like I had no reason to complain. Yeah. And so weighing that and, you know, the humility that I have to have, you know, dealing with people then at that point, because I don't know anything you've been through, like, and yeah. I'm sorry that those things have happened. Um, and honestly, even taking that to like the level of people that perpetrate those kinds of things, you know, it's a lot of times that's been a part of their past too. Yeah. Um, and so while again, like, you know, like what, I, what I've told people before is <clears throat> a lot of times there's an, an explanation for, why things have happened, but there's never an excuse for why things happen. Right. Like you never have the justification to do something wrong to someone else just because of what something that happened to you. But it explains why, you know, why you might choose right. to Here's do how I got that, here. I know it's not right, but exactly. I got to this point because of A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so it definitely has made me very thankful for the scenario that I grew up in. Yeah. Um, you know, my parents 
while they'd be the first to admit they don't, they didn't do things perfectly. Yeah. Um, you know, they were able to provide for us and, you know, I'm very thankful for that. And in yeah. hindsight, it makes me very, very thankful for them. Um, and a lot of times I have to, you know, tell them to shut up because they'd say, oh, we wish we would have done this differently. Yeah. I wish we would have done that. I'm like, stop. stop. Like you, you guys... didn't see, I was in a house full of cockroaches today. Yeah, exactly. I was there. And I'm like, yeah. you guys did a great job. Like I have nothing to complain about. Yeah. Um, I think so... you just have to like, as a parent, you just have to try. Mm-hmm. You just have to be putting forth your best effort. Yeah. That is, that's key, man. Like if you are just willing to, to put forth your best effort and, you know, also one of the, the most challenging things we rent, would run into is pride, you know, cause we, it never feels good to have someone come in and say like, this is wrong. Right. <laughs> like you're, you're doing, doing this yeah, wrong. Totally. Um, and not even that we would necessarily say it like that, you know, we show like what the consequences are for these, these scenarios. Yeah. Um, but that never feels good um, yeah. as a person to feel like you're doing something wrong. Right. Especially parenting wise, I think is a really, it's um, a touchy subject. Yeah, man. for sure, man. Um, but really that's one of the main things like that pride gets in the way of correcting those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same way I have to <clears throat> allow people to speak into my life when I'm doing things wrong. Right. You know, it's hard. You have to be willing to accept help. I mean, we all need help. Every human being needs help at some point in their life. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing to need help. It's just how it works. This world is, is difficult and messed up at times. And so we need to get help at times. It's not a bad thing. Um, but when you can't bring yourself to be willing to accept help, that's when you really run into issues because what needs to change can't be changed on your own sometimes. And so right, and you're, you're dealing with someone else. It's not mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm not trying to help you out personally. It's like, no, you're responsible for children. Yeah. You're responsible for these children and I don't you can you can mess your own life as much like up as much as you want. Mm-hmm. But I gotta make sure these kids are okay. Exactly. They, they're too <clears throat> young to know better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And you're failing. Yeah. And so that's some of those situations, you know, we would line up, you know, we try to put every effort into, you know, this is how you take this step to correct this. And then this is how you take this step because we want families to be together. You know, that's another, that's another myth that people believe is that, you know, the department of child services just wants to tear families apart. And that's not the case. Um, that's, that may come from anyone that hasn't worked in that scenario. Um, but you know, they want families to be functional together. Um, but if that's not the case, there has to be someone that can step in. That's one thing. Like everyone, if you ask them, everyone will say that they recognize that there has to be someone that will hold people accountable, whether that's, you know, criminally with the police, um, or on this level with families, they agree that someone has to need to step, has to be able to step in and protect kids when they need it. Yeah. But the thing is, you know, no one wants that when that means it's affecting their life. Right. They need they need to be saved from bad parents. Precisely. Which isn't me. Which isn't me. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny. We're all we all see each other. You don't see yourself as the bad parent, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden someone says, "No, it's you now. You're the bad guy." And we're taking your kids. And you're like, "No, take them from the real bad guys." 
Yeah, I've, you know? I've had that conversation a hundred times with people that, yeah. you know, why are you here dealing with this issue when there's this person that's doing that out there? Yeah. It's like, that may be the case. Like, I'm not saying that that's right either, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that, you know, you're not putting your kids at risk in this situation. Right. And so there has to be some accountability for that too. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's always, it's always pushing that to the next person or the next level yeah. of, the worst person than you Mm -hmm. yeah i do what about this i i think it would give you a new appreciation for because for me when i hear about these people um i just think what monsters what monsters Mm -hmm. would have their kids either live in these conditions or sexually abuse their kids or beat beat their kids or whatever i'm just like those are monsters but for you they're not monsters because you have to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has to be really eye-opening to see like, oh, these people, these like molesters, these abusers and these, you know, drug addicts, you see them and you're like, well, I've talked to them. They're people. They're human mm-hmm. beings that have <clears throat> problems Made and are all decisions. bad. Yeah. So I feel like how has that been enlightening to you to realize that everyone you hear about in the news, any sort of, you know, egregious act and the person that, committed it is a person yeah i mean that's an important thing to realize now i'll i'll be straightforward there are some people out there that they i would say monster is an accurate true monster yeah i mean they're still they're still a person they're still a human being they have value yeah um and they could you know they have the opportunity that they could do something good in the world um but they have just chosen and will continue to choose the wrong thing because they even find enjoyment in doing the wrong thing. Wow. Um, and so I think there are definitely people that they need to be locked up. They need to be put away because whether they don't have the ability to, or they just don't want to, they're just going to hurt everyone around them. Yeah. Um, and so that's, you know, there's a very real need for that to protect people from yeah. those people. Um, you know, that being said, everyone is a person. Yeah. Um, and I know that, um, I don't know. I guess I don't know what people would think about that. You know, it's easy to, yeah. to, to make someone into a monster and just say that they're a monster. I no longer have to deal with that right. any longer. But sometimes they are. But sometimes they are. Um, you know, it's kind of, it's, that's something I wrestle with too, because, you know, I do get to see a lot of the bad stuff that, you know, people have done. And yeah. so it's hard not to just jump to that. Um, but you can't, we, we all need help with that. Even when we do wrong stuff, we need those people that are willing to be like, Hey, this isn't what you should be doing. I mean, this is, you're going to hurt people. You're going to hurt yourself and to have the opportunity, um, to change those things. You know, I, as hard as it is, and you know, some days I would be more, um, a proponent of this than others, but I think that everyone can change, you know, if they, if they have the desire to, and they take the actions they need to, I think they can change. Um, but a lot of times people can't see past what they're doing or their, their internal desires. And they can't, they can't think about doing something other than what they want to do and what they want to do are those behaviors that have led them into the situation. So, um, but I do see, I think that, you know, even those people that are monsters, out, are monsters, they're still people. So? They're not too far gone. Uh, I don't know if I can Someone judge that. Someone that wants to do harm. 
Yeah. Because it's weird they're out there, I feel like. Even vil- villains and movies and things. Mm-hmm. They're always human. There's yeah. always... Or they should be. Unless it's a bad movie, then they're just, you know... Yeah. But there's always a human element to them. There's a reason they're bad. There's mm-hmm. a reason that they want the evil they want. But those monsters where it's just... They just want to see mm-hmm. others hurt. And yeah. they just want to hurt people. And I would say more times than not, it's there's something that's happened to people that have, you know, helped them they're dealing with that in that way that's been how they've dealt with it right there's a reason yeah and this helps this is like therapeutic to do harm uh, therapeutic in their you know twisted way of, right of, exactly yeah, like it's how they've their dealt with brain that. has gone yeah. in a direction where this is this makes it all better yeah yeah um but there i think that there are too there's some scenarios where people have just chosen to to be bad and that's just what they've wanted to do i think there's been situations like that too so but more times than not, I think it's something that's happened to someone. And so to make a snap judgment, like, I would not I would never do something like that. Well, maybe if you experienced what they experienced, yeah. you, you might have done if something like that. If you saw like the that. point what made them bad. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. I think there's a quote in a book It's um, that I always quote. Um, but it's, he talks, it's Dale Carnegie. <clears throat> it's in How to Stop Worrying. But it's talking about looking at everyone and thinking, they in in this sense maybe you agree with it maybe you don't but Mm -hmm. they're not responsible for whatever action to a degree they're not you need to be understanding of whatever action they do because whatever whether it's nature or nurture whatever whatever has happened in their life or the way they were born has brought them to this point right now and they're only a product of their own experience and they've gotten here and they've done this negative thing Somehow they got here. So you need to understand that. Like, it has brought them to this point. And you, a lot of people are like, no, they're responsible for their <clears> actions. <throat> like, screw that person, whatever. Mm-hmm. But to some degree, you have to say, whoa, something happened to them to bring them to do this terrible thing. You know? Yeah, and I would agree. I would agree with the fact that you, you need to understand that. Right. But I don't agree with the fact that they're not responsible for that. Yeah, it's that. definitely not okay. Yeah. You know, obviously it's, it's like, well, you know. Because they've likely had opportunities in their life to recognize that this isn't right and then to choose whether to keep doing something or to choose to not to keep doing something. So um, to take the responsibility off yeah. of them as an individual. Oh, yeah, they got to be. You got to punish them, obviously. You got to make it, you know. Yeah give them their just deserves but it's a it's important for i think people to recognize oh definitely everyone's human and everyone has had a life up until that point where they've like molested a child and rather than be like oh it's a monster it's a monster it's like no it's a human it's a human that was probably molested you know the the probability is likely you know not that people that have never experienced that don't still do that stuff but right but maybe something else yeah i mean we're all human we've all like no one can say they've never done something wrong like we've all done something wrong yeah so i think so yeah maybe maybe i don't know i'm sure i'd say yes yeah um yeah man well this has been awesome anything else you want to say um about your experience anything people should know um anything important that may enlighten people. Yeah. I I mean, really all I would probably say after that is just that, you know, these are my, my thoughts, my experiences. And so, you know, just like with anything, you can't, 
generalize that to every person or, or every, you know, every person that's worked for or in this kind of a situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, really, if you know what you want to know about, um, you know, that kind of, uh, uh, line of work or those kinds of things a lot of times people they do it because they want to help you know not yeah. that dcs workers always do a good job of right showing that i mean we're people that have worked in that situation most people, people are too. there because they're good-hearted people i would say and they want to most of the time mm-hmm. they're not working in a situation that is high stress and not the highest pay in the world yeah and working with really challenging people guys here for the love of the game because they yeah are in it for the money. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that a lot too. Okay. I would say most of the time that's not the case. So um, they're made a sacrifice in order to get fulfillment from helping people. I would say most times. Which is probably a good person. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's really, I mean, those have just been my experiences and um, it has definitely shaped the way that I've viewed the world around me and, and people interacting even an everyday basis, you know, not jumping or getting instantly mad anytime someone does something because it's I've been forced to see well maybe there's something that you know, yeah. something's probably happened to right. whether it was earlier that day or earlier in their life that yeah. have caused that to that's so good it is funny to rather than think about when someone does something to you mm-hmm. when someone cuts you off in traffic or whatever yeah you know what I mean or like bumps into you like aggressively yeah and then you're like rather than be like well that guy can you believe and think oh i wonder what happened to that dude today because he's being a real asshole Mm -hmm. so what happened to him yeah and to be able to story to be able to forgive that i mean forgiveness is huge man and that stops the cycle like when you can forgive and let those things go that Mm -hmm. stops the cycle of hurt and and trauma and if those people could have forgiven what happened to them Mm -hmm. and moved on and not you know, then done that to other people. A lot of times that would, that would stop the cycle of, of abuse and, and neglect and a lot of those scenarios. Yeah. So people just passing on that negative energy because mm-hmm. they haven't forgiven. And I think when like the big part of forgiving is understanding. Yeah. It, it definitely makes forgiveness easier when you can get to that point where you understand why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. But yeah, stop the cycle. Yeah. Is it, do you, is it very, do you feel like it's very secular? Oh yeah. So it, it's remarkable actually. Yeah. Like it's very, yes, I'll say yes. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot of those scenarios, whether it's neglect, whether it's, you know, home conditions or physical abuse or sexual abuse, um, abuse in general is, I would say the majority of the time is cyclical, you know, it's because of this, then this. Yeah. Um, not always, but a lot of times. Yeah. So. Yeah. Stop the cycle. Yep. It's hard. It's hard when you've been wronged and you've been hurt mm-hmm. to not just take that negative energy and give it to someone else. Precisely. It feels good. Yeah. It feels good. It is a way of momentarily dealing with it, but mm-hmm. then it causes generations of hurt and yeah and trauma. Yeah, man. All right. Well, don't don't pay pay forward the good stuff mm-hmm. and then don't pay forward the negative stuff yeah break the cycle break it it's all gonna be that's what it's all about man it's about yeah being like soak it up soak up the negative don't release it you know that sounded bad 
sounded like you're just going to be a sponge full of like dirt. <laughs> but the way you release it is by forgiving. Yeah. You, you're not just yeah. holding it. You're, you're getting rid of it by forgiveness. Go. That's the way to let go. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> I got you back. <laughs> I was like, I don't like that. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks a lot, Zach. You got anything to plug? You got any, uh, any, like, you want to yell at someone? Say nah, what's up? I'm good. Okay. I said most of what I needed to say. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Zach. I should have planned something. No problem. Yeah. Take it easy. <laughs> you too.